Hey, it's Karen Hunter from the Karen Hunter Show on Sirius XM Urban View. Here's a highlight from today's show. Let me welcome to the show, back to the show, once again, Reverend Dr. Raphael Warnock. Welcome. Hey, it's great to be here with you. Great to see you. Now, so you were literally in them streets on a bus, on a bus. Listen, uh, Gladys Knight saying about the midnight train to Georgia. I'm on the bus moving through Georgia. Moving through Georgia. Spreading uh, our message. What what county are you in? Oh, I'm somewhere between Swainsboro, where we just left, on my way to Augusta. Earlier today, I was in Statesboro and started out this morning in Savannah, Georgia, and I'll end up in Atlanta tonight. My mama's all in a day's work because there's so much at stake. My mama's from Augusta. I spent all of my summers as, as a child with my grandmother in Augusta. Uh, she lived on a dead end street with a dirt road uh, that led to the projects where my auntie Pinky and her nine children <laughs> lived. And um, so I have very fond memories of Augusta. So I, I know you're going to be well received there. What has been the most difficult part of your journey for this reelection for you personally? Well, personally, the most difficult thing or one of the most difficult things is being away from my two darling children. I have a six-year-old daughter and a son who's almost four. And um, the toughest part is being away from them, but I'm doing this for them and for all of our children. And I'm deeply honored to represent the people of Georgia and the United States Senate. For you to leave your babies, to leave your wife, to leave your home, to leave your your church, the comfort of your mm-hmm. life, because you were doing okay. You were doing okay. Why do this? Why it's you don't right. have to do this, Reverend Warnock? You don't have to. Why? Why are you compelled to do this? Well, that's correct. I, I do this because my life's project is justice making and truth telling and building what Dr. King called the beloved community. I got involved in something as messy as politics, not because I'm in love with politics, but because I'm in love with change. And uh, I tolerate politics with the hope that I can use the leverage and the tools in my office to fight for my entire career, like uh, affordable health care like uh, making sure that workers can have a livable wage and that young people who, like me, growing up in the housing projects where I was one of 12 children and number 11 out of 12 first college graduates will have access to a good quality education, whether it's a four-year college or vocational training or technical school. Um, This gives me an opportunity to translate my years of activism and agitation into legislation my protests in the public policy. I love the people, and this is just one more way for me to serve. As you are um, two years, and and just for people who aren't familiar with why you're running for re-election and and Asif is not, you both got elected at the same time, why you're up for re-election and why he is not, can you just give us a little bit of uh, insight into that for people who don't know? Well, John Asif, uh, who I uh, call my brother from another mother, and I ran 
in the same year. That's unusual. Uh, Senate seats are staggered. The only reason my seat was available is because of the retirement of Johnny Isaacson, who uh, later died uh, uh, after I uh, was elected. Um, so I won in a special election to finish the two years of his term. And now I'm running for a full six-year term. Now, the good news for the people of Georgia is that, uh, you know, me running and then being elected to serve for two years gives gave me a chance to really see if I actually wanted the job. You know, if you think <laughs> about it, all of us can relate to this. Um, you don't really know if you want a job until you get it. There, there are folks, I'm sure, who are listening to me who've applied for a job, you so badly wanted that job for whatever reason, and then when you got it, you realize you didn't want that job at all. Well, I can say without fear of failure and without contradiction to the people of Georgia that nearly two years into serving you, standing up for your families inside of D.C. every single day, it may sound corny, but it's true. I still pinch myself every two or three days because I feel like I'm one of the luckiest people on the planet that I get to represent the people of Georgia, a state that I love, where I was born, raised, and educated. I get to represent them in the United States Senate. I mean, who gets to do that? And it means that I get to fight for health care, which I believe is a human right. It means I get to stand up for women uh, whom I think should have uh, the final say and a voice in their own reproductive health care. It means I get to stand up for young people uh, growing up in uh, challenging places all across our state, whether it be housing projects in the city or uh, some dirt road in some rural forgotten part of the state, and I get to stand up for them and try to build a country where a child's outcome is not based on their parents' income. I am the product of good federal public policy in addition to the work ethic that my parents poured into me. I'm an alum of Head Start. I benefited from Upward Bail. I benefited from Pell Grants and low interest student loans. All of these are good federal public policies uh, that give people the tools that they need to build their own lives. And that's what good government does. It helps you to build your own life. And um, I get to be at the center and the forefront of making that happen every single day. And I'd be honored to do it for the next six years of the people of Georgia. I'm modeling for um, the journalists who are listening and with the hope that one day uh, journalism will return. I'm not going to mention your opponent because he's not a serious candidate and he's getting a lot of free uh, attention, negative and positive, but we're in a space where uh, it doesn't matter. We had a president elected with billions of dollars of free attention from media because the clicks and the algorithms meant that uh, these news outlets got more money every time they covered that previous president's rallies, right? They got more money, with the, so it didn't matter. He got billions of dollars of free advertising, and the same is happening to you. How frustrating is it to be uh, so dialed into the needs of people in Georgia, yet the attention is focused on a dumpster fire that you're running against. Oh, I'm not frustrated at all. I'm focused. I'm focused on the people of Georgia who gave me the honor of my life. As I said earlier, who gets to do this? To stand up for the people you love every single day. To spend your waking hours 
working on the things that really matter. You know, I'm the pastor of Ebenezer Baptist Church where Martin Luther King Jr. served. That church, when you think of Ebenezer, you think of a church that literally changed the world. We don't have civil rights. We don't have voting rights. Without the ways in which the legacy of that place taught us to translate our faith into action. And uh, uh, one of the contrasts between me and my opponent is that he uh, talks about his faith, but it seems to me that he's focused on trying to weaponize it uh, in order to divide us. I stand in the tradition of Martin Luther King Jr. My faith is not a weapon to try to uh, pummel others. It's a bridge focused mm -hmm. on bringing us together. And um, it's the reason why I fight for health care. It's the reason why I was able to cap the cost of insulin in a provision that I wrote that was passed into law in the Inflation Reduction Act. We capped the cost of insulin to no more than $35 of out-of-pocket costs uh, for folks who are on Medicare. I was trying to get it also for folks on private insurance. I'll keep fighting. But where does that passion come from? Where does that perspective come from? It comes, quite frankly, from being a pastor, where I've spent years standing at hospital bedsides. I know personally, I've seen up close what happens when the diabetes gets out of control, what happens when a person all of a sudden has to get an amputation or the kidneys fail and they have to go on dialysis. When I talked about this the other night in our debate, my opponent said that people just need to eat right. Well, I believe in healthy living, but you can eat right and still have diabetes. And it doesn't explain why pharmaceutical companies are price gouging the insulin. The people of Georgia uh, deserve to have a senator who understands the struggles of ordinary people and who, instead of blaming the people of Georgia, will stand up for the people of Georgia. Raphael Warnock, Reverend Raphael Warnock, is asking for your vote, Georgia, again, to serve in the Senate for you. Uh, talk a little bit. You you just said you wrote legislation. A lot of times people vote and they don't even know what it is that a senator does. They don't know what. So how many bills are on the floor right now that that are important to you that you would vote for? What kinds of bills would you put into um, into the pile, into into, you know, into the Senate? that would help the people, not just of Georgia, but the rest of us, because you're a United States Senator. What are you looking at to do with this second term? Well, let's start right where I ended off. Ended up, I said that I wrote the law. I wrote the provision that's in the Inflation Reduction Act that caps the cost of insulin to no more than $35 of out-of-pocket cost. Now, I was able to get that for folks on Medicare, but my aim actually was to get it for everybody. Because insulin should not be expensive. It's a 100-year-old drug. Why wasn't I able to get it done in August? I was blocked. I was blocked by craven, self-serving politicians who agree with Herschel Walker, who said he would not have voted for that bill. If you send me back to the Senate, I'm going to fight until we get affordable insulin for everybody. I believe that there's a path to get that done. In addition to that, I'm going to continue to fight to help states like Georgia, one of 12 states that keeps refusing to expand Medicaid, which means we have 600,000 Georgians, mostly the working poor, 
who are in the health care coverage gap, I'm going to keep fighting to get them the health care that they deserve, all the while uh, passing the kinds of bills that invest in domestic manufacturing, that invest in small businesses and provide uh, uh, access to capital so that we can continue to create jobs and opportunity uh, all across our state. For you, you're raising two children in this world. Uh, I'm going to ask you a question, and I want you to put on your political hat, and then I want you to put on your pastor hat. And uh, before you answer that, though, are you serving two masters (laughs) in this position? I know we've we've had this conversation before. As you are now in the thick of it, you know, with the compromise of of Congress and, and the actual, you call them craven, the cowardice that you're seeing and the the lack of humanity that is prevalent in in your halls uh not to mention january 6th do you feel like you you're serving two masters for me to serve the people of georgia in the united states senate while also continuing to return to my pulpit at ebenezer church every sunday is neither a contradiction nor a conflict. In fact, it is a continuation of my lifelong commitment to service. When I felt compelled to do this, my sense was not that I needed to uh, change, if you will, my life's project. I was just picking up some new tools. I've been fighting for health care for years. I've been preaching about it. Jesus spent much of his ministry healing the sick, especially those with what we would call pre-existing conditions like blind Bartimaeus, like the woman who had the continual bleeding for 12 years that he healed. Having preached for years in honor of one who healed the sick, never billed them for his services, and who preached good news to the poor, my work in the Senate is about the word being made flesh coming alive through public policy and legislation, fighting to expand healthcare so that people have access. And we have a grand tradition in our country that we've forgotten about. We are a representative democracy. That means that we are self-governing. We send citizens, ordinary people, to high office to represent their neighbors. And somewhere along the way, we developed an entire class of career politicians. There's no shortage of those in Washington, D.C., no shortage of career politicians, transactional politicians. I'm not a senator who used to be a pastor. I'm a pastor who serves in the Senate, and it is that very lens that compelled me to fight for diabetics, to fight for seniors who are trying to pay for their prescription drugs, and to stand up for young people who are trying to find a path to a good quality education and good quality jobs. Mm. All right, Georgia early voting, uh, there's no excuse. Turnout already record for early voting. We just had Latasha Brown on uh, yesterday, or day before yesterday, it was Monday, I think. Um, are you optimistic? What What is your approach uh, from now until election day in terms of, fighting the voter suppression that has been so prevalent the last few years. What's your strategy? Listen, people need to show up and vote. Whatever things, you know, whatever obstacles there may be, 
The answer is to show up. Half a life is showing up. Early voting goes through November the 4th. We can win this. We've already proven that we can win. We won in 2021 in a runoff. Uh, but now it's time for the showdown. And uh, we need folks to show up. Uh, again, uh, early voting is already underway in Georgia. Listen, we are already seeing record turnout. Turnout is high, but the stakes are also high. Mm -hmm. So we can't let up. We got to keep doing this all the way through November 4th. Too often we have lost by the margin of our despair and our indifference. I'm not about to give in to despair. I'm not to, I'm not about to be slowed down or stopped or stymied by indifference. Show up, and if you show up, we win. Amen. Uh, one last question. Nitra G, Nitra G in Nubia said, do the Democrats have any non-negotiables in, in the House and Senate after these midterms, which many are predicting uh, the Democrats may lose the House, may even lose the Senate, what are there things that you will not stand for or negotiate with the other side? Listen, I'm focused on what we must do over the next 13 days. Let's have that conversation on the other side of the election. Okay. Um, That's a deal. I think we need to stay focused. Amen. Let's win, let's win the election. Okay. Say less, Reverend Warnock. We'll talk to you, make a promise to come back when you win, sir, Senator Warnock. Come back and let's talk about these non-negotiables. Hey, this is Karen Hunter. You can listen to The Karen Hunter Show live every Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. East on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.